Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. The weather is still glorious out there. Well, it is in London anyway. Donald Trump is still annoying everyone and we're no closer to knowing precisely what kind of Brexit we are going to get. Uh, as predicted from Katie Perrier yesterday, of course, uh, some Labour MPs are revolting against Jeremy Corbyn and calling for another referendum. But there are some real problems out there in the real world away from politics. First today, we're going to be looking at the crisis with our elderly population. And who is looking after them? One in five of our most vulnerable people in assisted living homes, which are those places is where uh, they basically get help in their own home uh, to get dressed, to get food, to have dinner and all that kind of thing, to have baths. It's a shockingly uh, sort of distinguished way to go, unfortunately. Uh, But they have to go without meals once a day sometimes. They're frightened of moving around without help. The big question I want the answer to is why we're not better at looking after our own elderly relatives. And shouldn't we have the right to expect families to look after their own rather than expecting the uh, society in which we live to pick up the tab? 0344 499 1000. Coming up a little bit later on, we're finding out why giving sweets to prisoners is a great idea. We'll be talking to the prisons minister about that. And what on earth is going on with petrol prices as well? And also, by the way, BT is going to fire 13,000 people, a massive number, uh, which is going to take place over the next three years. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Katie Perry on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A story this morning, Katie, um, we were talking about young offenders just last week. A story this morning is suggesting that actually at Feltham Young Offenders Institution, uh, they've got good behaviour getting better and better because they've been giving the kids uh, at this very, you know, I would say sort of holding pen for quite violent criminals in some respects. Uh, they've been getting good results out of giving them chocolate for good behaviour. So, you know, I'm all in favour of any plan that makes life better for any of these kids in these places. Let's talk to Dr Philip Lee. Uh, Dr Lee, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Good, mo- good morning. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. You know, we, we, we sometimes uh, are, I suppose, guilty in the media of, of saying this is all a bit of a gimmick, isn't it? But actually, I'm quite, quite in favour of gimmicks if they work. Well, look, we're really pleased with the report coming out of Felton A. Um, when I took over the job, um, you know, we had quite a challenging population to deal with. I mean, there's been some success in reducing the number of young offenders. We've got locked up, gone down by about 2,500 in the last 10 years. But we've been left with some quite difficult young people who can be quite violent sometimes. And so 
all of the staff at Felton have done a re- remarkable job, I think, to, to turn things around. But I'm, I'm sober-minded. There's a long way to go on this. Um, we want things to be better than they currently are, but at least we're going in the right direction. Does it suggest to you, Dr Lee, that perhaps the, the, the carrot might be better than the stick in this case? Because we spoke to somebody from um, a youth uh, project up in Doncaster uh, a few days back, and they were saying that they've had some success with, with cutting back on, on re-offending rates by, by basically trying to help these kids rather than just locking them up and leaving them to their own devices yeah i mean i think look if you do a bad thing and as far as being locked up you should be locked up let's not forget that however a lot of these kids the majority of them have come from pretty challenged difficult backgrounds quite abusive backgrounds and so we've got to try to understand them uh and then also try to work out how we're going to reach them and get them to turn their lives around and lead law-abiding productive lives and i i personally think that this type of incentive can help i also think that sport in particular, I mean, at Feltham, Saracens Rugby Club are doing a fantastic job on a pilot scheme, and their their reoffending rates are, are a quarter of what we're currently getting with the kids who are not on the rugby uh, on the rugby scheme. So, I mean, I I think you're right. We you know we need to do more to help these kids um, because if we do that, then we'll get less crime. Uh, absolutely, Dr. Lee. From my point of view, 80% reduction on a tax on staff is a brilliant result uh, and something maybe should be wheeled out across other prisons across the country. Because you're, what you're trying to do there, as far as I can see from this story this morning, is that you're trying to recreate what it's like in the real world. You go to work, you behave yourself, you get rewards. Yes. You don't you, yeah, know, right. you don't behave yourself and you attack, you attack your, your prison officer and you get in trouble. So you're just yeah. re- trying to recreate that, aren't you? A- absolutely. I mean, you're taking these kids, some of these kids, don't know the obvious. You've got, to, you've got to work out how do you incentivise good behaviour. It's not that we're giving them sweets. I mean, essentially, they're getting uh, the right to go to canteen and buy things, and some of them might choose sweets. But generally speaking, what we're trying to do is reward good behaviour. Um, it, it, you know, it's very difficult for the staff. We've had some real issues in the youth estate, with some, some violent episodes, which are well documented in the press. And since I've been in the job, we've been trying to train the staff in a different way. We've been trying to change the typical day in, in the youth estate because we recognise these young people can often be quite damaged and we've got to spend some time putting them back together before they go back into society. Oh, sure. And one of the biggest problems that we talk about an awful lot, and obviously last weekend kind of brought it all up into focus again, uh, is the young offending that's going on in the cities of this country where, yeah. you know, young yeah. black men particularly are involved in gang activity. Uh, there are people being stabbed, people being killed on the streets, people making sort of violent music videos and all that kind of thing. I mean, yeah. is it, what, what can you do? I mean, Sadiq Khan gets a lot of flack in London for not doing much about it. Um, but it's a massive challenge, isn't it? It is. Uh, it's particularly difficult with regards to the drugs trade and something called county lines um, and the gangs that are running these county lines um, and sort of uh, running drugs out into the country. And, and it is very difficult. And we were very conscious of the amount of knife crime that's taking place. The serious violence strategy that the Home Office is working on is, is, is seeking to address that. But we also recognise that we might get an increase in the population coming down the line of, of individuals who think nothing about using knives. It's not easy, okay? But I do think, I mean, there are certain already in the community charitable operations, particularly, again, in sport. I I think of one in Newham, um, Fight for Peace, which is a boxing charity, doing some really good work uh, on the ground and also working with individuals in in some of the youth estates as well. So they're trying to turn them around by reaching out to them via amateur boxing. I think these sorts of things require more support, which is why I've commissioned a report on sport in the criminal justice system which hopefully i'll be publishing next month and dr lee just one quickly from me 
Are you worried about the prison population in terms of numbers? Do we need to be building more prisons or do we need to be you know, making our buildings more effective, the ones we've currently got? Well, I think it's a number of things, Katie. I think some of our prisons aren't fit for purpose. The, um, we, we know this. Some of them are Victorian. Some of them need, need replacing. Um, but we also need to look at how effective locking people up in prison actually is. I mean, the reoffending rate for women's prisons, I'm responsible for that as well. It's approaching 50%. So we need to look at the way in which we manage women. We may try to do it more in the community. Tagging might be an option. Um, there's, there's, there's lots of different approaches here. But what I do think is that we have to recognise that, that the system has to be punitive because people want to see criminals um, serving time for bad crimes. But we also have to recognise that we need to, to deal with the problems, the deep-seated problems, the emotional abuse, sexual abuse in the past, the mental illness, all of these things that a lot of these offenders have in order to try to turn their lives around. It would be better for everybody in society if we can actually properly understand the motivations and the behaviour and turn it around when they're in prison. Great stuff. Uh, Dr Philip Lee, good luck with that. Thank you very much indeed for taking the time uh, to talk to us. Dr Philip Lee, the Justice Minister, which is one of the more difficult, I guess you would say, um, parts of government right now because the violence on the streets really does, does need to have something done about it very, very quickly. And as he says, it's not necessarily, you know, there's no sugar pill to, to cope that with and there's no uh, easy silver bullet answer for it either. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Let's go to Joe, uh, who's in Grantham, wants to talk about the pension situation. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joe. Morning to you both. Yeah, good morning. What yeah. would you like to say, Joe? Well, well, I can't understand um, why in this country we've got a two-tier pension system. Mm. Um, not many people are, are aware, but uh, if you were born before 6th of April 1951, right. the most you can get for your pension is 125.95. What, per week? If you were born uh, per week, yeah. yeah, sorry. If you are born after the 6th of April 1951, you get £164.35. Really? Yeah. So, like an extra sort of third, almost thirty-eight pound forty a week. Yeah. Why do they? Why is that? Well, they changed the rules uh, from uh, in, uh, twenty sixteen. Right. Um, well, I, well, I suppose you might argue similarly, Joe, that depending on when you were born, you could retire earlier than than somebody who was born later than you, if you like. Well, it doesn't matter though. You're still paid if you've paid your thirty-five years national insurance. And you both uh, qualify for exactly the same. <laughs> and of course, Why not? of course, there's lots of women as well out there that are complaining that they don't get the pension uh, that they thought they were going to get because of when they well, were born. Well, well, women are exactly the same. If, if you were born before the 6th of April 1953 as a woman, you get the 125.95. If you were born uh, after that, you get the 164.35. And mm. as you say, those, re- those changes were only made in the last couple of years, and so all those people well, who thought they could retire early and now can't retire yeah. earlier as a result. Well, so it's very unfair. It's ridiculous. I, you could take twins. One was born one minute before midnight, the other <laughs> born a minute after midnight, and the one born after midnight is getting £38.40 yeah. a week, more than the one he's, he's twin. That's bonkers. Why? 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 You that, know, it's, it's just... How did you, and how did you kind of come across this, Joe? Because I, I've just retired uh-huh. and I applied for my state pension and discovered I was getting the old one because I did 37 years in the army and 12 years looking after retired soldiers and their families uh-huh. right. uh, for benevolence. And here we are with this situation. Right. So, and how old are you, Joe? There's nothing you can do about it, I presume, I, is there? Well, actually, <laughs> funnily enough, I've tried to get uh, Esther McVeigh, who's the uh, Minister for Pensions, to answer it, but uh, despite emails... Letters, 
all sorts of things. She's not replied at all. Oh, really? Maybe we'll yeah, try and get no, her on I've the show. Reply from, I've had a reply from 10 Downing Street. I've had a reply from my local MP, but uh, not from the Minister huh. for Work and Pensions. And how old are you, Joe? if you don't mind me asking? I'm 68. 68. Year. So, you know, you've easily got another 20 and some years in, mm. you, in, in, this, in this position. And obviously you want that, yeah. that higher payment. Well, absolutely. You know, we've, we've got, uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a veteran. Now, we've got veterans out there who are struggling. Now, one of them might have been born before the 6th of April and the other was born after. One of them's £38.40 a week better off. Yeah. That's quite pension. a lot of money over a year. That's quite a lot. Yeah, well, it's a real it's difference. A lot of money a month. Yeah, it That's is. That's £140 a month. That and really is. But, well, I mean, I was yeah. assuming, and I don't wish to, 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 to burst your bubbles, I'm mean, assuming there's nothing anybody will be able to do about this, though, because they can't suddenly go, oh, all right, well, we'll just move that back a couple of years and make sure that you well, get the bigger amount. Well, why not? Well, because they'd have, to, they'd have to then spend a load more money doing it, wouldn't they? So they're not likely to want to do that. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I'm only giving you what, what I'm imagining they will say to you. Well, it's two years since they brought this in, so even if they said, all right, we won't backdate it, but we'll give everybody the same pension now... Why, why wouldn't that... Well, that's fair, isn't it? it? It certainly is, but it's billions and billions of pounds. What I want to know, Joe, is I wonder why it wasn't a massive election issue, because older people vote in their masses, and yet yeah. it didn't seem to be something that pressurised either the government yeah. or the opposition into putting into manifestos. Yeah. Why do you think yeah. that was? They've, they've kept this really quiet. That's why. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't know anything about it, of course, until I my pension came through, and I thought... Well, why am I not getting a higher rate? And, of course, older people don't kick up such a fuss. They don't protest against the likes of Donald Trump and others. They just quietly get on with it, and that's 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 the problem. They don't go online and and see these things. If you go onto the government uh, website there, it tells you exactly the two differences between the old system and the new system. I mean, is there possibly a... um, uh, you know, age concern or or maybe a charity that could get behind this, perhaps? That might be the better way to go. Well, funnily enough, I've tried that. I've, I've, I've tweeted and emailed Age Concern again a number yeah. of times, but nobody seems to want to pick this up for really? whatever reason. Yeah, That's yeah. weird. Well, listen, I'm, I'm fascinated by this, so I will, I will, I'm not going to promise you anything, but I'll promise you I'll pick it up and we'll try and get Esther McVeigh on and try and ask her about it because it doesn't seem fair at all. And my, I wasn't trying to say, Joe, that you've got no chance of, of making it happen. I just, I just can't see the government moving on something like this because, as, as Katie says, they don't really care enough about the elderly in this country uh, to actually make up the difference. You're absolutely right. You yeah. hit it right on the nail. They yeah. don't care. You know, they're only interested in themselves. They don't care about anything else. Well, they're interested in getting re-elected. I mean, you know, so yeah. if there was a big enough body of pensioners who could vote for them if they did this or yeah. didn't vote for them if they didn't, that might make a, a change as Sounds well. Sounds like a perfect Daily Mail campaign to me, to it be does. honest. It does. So maybe, we'll maybe they might catch up. Maybe we'll have on. a word with them as well. Joe, listen, thanks for the call. Very very interesting, very informative. I agree with Katie, uh, says Average Joe. Tax these idiots with enormous 4 by 4s who only drive them in town and don't need them. All they do is block up the streets. They're not needed for 95 percent of owners in urban areas well i'm sorry you know we do live in a free society so far so good you know why should they take up more of the road than i do well can they pay more to take up the road more of the road than you do because the road tax for a bigger car is generally speaking higher not a lot of money though over every period of a year is it? oh yeah it is i mean how much do you pay for your road tax for example you don't know but it's all part of my deal isn't it it's a lease car 
Okay, well... I don't pay road tax. All right, well, you should still have an idea of how much should it is. Should I? Yes, you should. Really? You used to work in Downing Street. Do you have any idea how much a <laughs> I know pint of milk is? Yes, I do. Really? Two pints for a pound really? where I live. Yeah, okay. And, a, and I don't pay more than a pound for a loaf of you bread. Can't, you shouldn't be buying milk in Poundland. It's not a good place to go. <laughs> now, Sean says, here you go, Katie. Uh, this is a good fuel-efficient big vehicle, 101 miles per gallon, 64 grams per kilometre of CO2 emissions. Now, how about this? He's, he's found you a lovely new car. It's a uh, new Range Rover Sport PHEV. I think it's a, a sort of hybrid. I don't know how much you think they pay me on this radio show. 70,000 quid for 70 that. 70 grand yeah. for a car? I don't think so. You could probably lease that for about 500 quid a month or something. And now, now I'm interested. You know, now you want one of these big cars to drive around in, don't you? Let's talk to Hugh. You crash it. Uh, let's talk to Hugh. He's in uh, Rygate. Hello, Hugh. Hi, Hugh. Morning, Mike. Morning, Katie. How are you Morning. doing? You're not driving around in one of these gas-guzzling limos, are you? Now I have a, a nice little Kia, which uh, I, I, I uh, contract yeah. by. You've gone down in my estimation, I'm afraid, Hugh. <laughs> You've gone up in mine, Hugh. <laughs> well, that was the best deal at the time, Mike. Yeah, OK. The time. Nah, that's all right. Go on. Carry on. What did you want to say? Well, I was. I mean, you know, the, 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 a lot of the theme of the programme this week has been about government and how, the, how we fund things. Yeah. I mean, and you're talking about social care and health care. Sure. I mean, the simple fact is we all know that people are getting older and living longer and it's costing us more. Mm. But no government in a five-year parliamentary cycle can afford, uh, if they want to get re-elected, to, to actually uh, solve the funding problem. Well, what we actually want our parliamentarians to do is, is work together, take a cross-party approach to the NHS and, and social care, uh, and fund it properly, and manage it properly too, because I also believe they waste a lot of money. Um, but if we take the election problem out of it, you know, maybe the answer is 5p on income tax. You know, I don't know. I'm, I, you know, you have to look at the figures. Well, five p's a lot, though. I mean, because well, whenever anybody suggests one penny, there's yeah. sort of most people go, yeah, okay, that's probably doable. I, don't, I think if you tried to put five p on income tax, that's a massive amount of tax for a lot of people to pay. I do agree. I'm just plucking that finger out of the air. Yeah. It might not be that, but what I'm saying is, what what somebody needs to do is actually take it out of the uh, of the the bun fight that is politics and say we have to fund social care and the NHS. Let's make it a non-party political issue so we get together and we come up with a plan that we can all work with. Yeah. Um, so that, because the trouble is, if the answer is a tax increase, and you know, we want our elderly people to be looked after, and, uh, and you and I get into the stage where we're, you know, the elderliness is not that far away. <laughs> um, you know, Sadly. But you know, it may be that there's a tax increase that's part of it. And, and, and if so, if Theresa May said that tomorrow, she would probably lose the next election. You're exactly right, Hugh. And well, I mean, one of the reasons she nearly lost the last election was because she she kind of attacked the elderly, didn't she? Well, actually, exactly. didn't, she didn't attack the elderly. She tried to come up with a plan of action, but she didn't, you know, she didn't roll it out. She didn't talk to charities and elderly care groups before. She just went no, bang. The there you go. The perception, the perception was, was, it was there was this tax. dementia tax was going to come, and people got frightened. Absolutely. Exactly. She, I, bet, I think you. If you take that out of you know the the, the issue, so if. If Corbyn and, and May and their respective NHS experts sat down and came up with a plan that they could all live with and sign up to, so that at the next election both parties went to the people and said, we need to do this, you know, there may be other ideas, but right now this is how we're going to fund it, and it's not a party political issue, it's a national issue. Uh, maybe something would get done because we need long-term planning. You're exactly you right on that. And, um, you know, when I was at number 10, we thought about this time and time again. And trying to get politicians around the table to agree on anything is really, really tough. But that's what the public wants, actually. And they want the brightest and the best to get together to solve some of our biggest crises in the country right now. And taking it out of the politicians' hands and putting it in the hands of a mix of politicians, experts, leaders in the field, uh, maybe like a royal commission or something, Hugh, mm. which is away from, you know, the Conservative Party owning something or the Labour Party 
party owning something, but signing up to their recommendations is the only way forward, I think. Uh, you, you know, your proposal is the only way we're going to get any breakthrough on this because we can't just leave it to the hands of one political party that can be voted in and out of office on a whim. Yeah, and then the other side comes in and changes everything. Exactly. I mean, you know, I mean, this is, you know, our nation is a big business. It has a huge budget. And, and there are some elements of it which people are not going to like. And, you know, and we, we can't let, you know, people arguing about, you know, political, making political points about it, um, may, you know, end up with our old people not getting cared for properly. And I think, Hugh, you, what you said at the start of the conversation was right. You know, we have, well, there has been a kind of theme, unknowing theme, really, because it just kind of comes up, about the fact that uh, we have to fund all sorts of things. And there is a terrible short-termism about the way that this country has been run for as long as I've been alive. I mean, because, as you say, it's politically uh, expedient to do one thing uh, one year and then politically expedient not to do it the next year. And, you know, we need a much longer-term policy. And I think one of the things we came up with earlier in the week on the NHS was that, you know, take it out of politics altogether. Make it into some kind of a privately run commission, uh, which is not influenced by by ideology and is simply uh, provided as a proper service. Exactly. And and plan ahead, because... It's not as if the amount of old people we've got now is a surprise. No. You know, you know we were talking a couple of weeks ago about algorithms and databases um, with the breast cancer yeah, care thing. That's you know, right. they, they know how many people they're going to have over 80 and over 90 mm. in 10 to 15 years' time with a, within a sort of a, a fail-safe measure. So they know what the cost is going to be. Um, and we need to make start planning for that. And, yeah. you know, and pensions and everything else need to be tweaked. And, you know, going back to what May tried to do at the election, you know, people have got to pay for that care because, you know, there are not enough young people coming through to pay the taxes to do it. So, you know, we, some poisonous decisions have to be taken and people are going to hate them. What I can't understand, Hugh, though, is why do our politicians think they have the answers to everything? You know, when you've, if you're sensible, you look across the world and think, right, what country, some of the Scandi countries uh, are doing a much better job uh, of us of looking after their elderly population. Why don't we go, you know, take, take big groups of people over there and learn from, from you know, what's happening abroad and trying to re- replicate some of that here? Why do we think we all always have the answers? Well, I don't know. All the MPs I've met and all the ones I see on TV seem to think they know better than the electorate. I mean, yeah. that goes back to the Brexit thing. You know, and we've got people trying to argue with a with a, a popular vote, uh, and it's not going to do them any favours um, because we're, I think I think people are sick to death of politicians bickering amongst themselves over ideological opinions and not dealing with the issues yeah. and not behaving like you know commercial managers. That's what they are. Yeah. They're managing a huge budget and a huge machine that needs to produce the services that this country needs. And, um, you know, from, from all of the things that you've been talking about today, from the roads and everything else, they're failing dramatically. They are. And I'll tell you where the proof is in the pudding on that, right? You can't remember, because I can't, and I don't know whether Casey can, the last politician that came up with a really great idea. I can't think of one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but, but, but that goes back to the old Jim Hacker principle, don't it? I mean, you know, the, the wonderful <laughs> Yes Minister thing. I do love you that know. show. Well, the first thing he says, more or less, in the first episode was, what are you planning to do, Minister? There's absolutely nothing <laughs> I possibly can. Because, you know, just sit here quietly, get yeah. the head down and get re-elected again in five years' time. Exactly right. Brilliant. Hugh, thank you very much indeed uh, for that. 0344 uh, very sensible call. I must talk to you now about a very, very important story, uh, which is up in Scotland, which, of course, is my former uh, home. My favourite story of the day. Everybody's favourite story of the day. Turnbury is one of my favourite golf courses in the world, right? It is one of the most beautiful settings that you 
could ever imagine. It's right on the Ayrshire coast, off the off the off in the distance. On a clear day, you can see Northern Ireland, and at night time, you can see the lights from Northern Ireland. There's a piper that comes out at six o'clock every night to play the pipes, right? Wow. As you're either playing golf or as you're sitting in the garden having tea or whatever it is. It's an old railway hotel which is very, very grand. I'm sad that Donald Trump has bought it because if he t- trumps it up and puts all kinds blings. of, you know, blings, blings it up. It up yeah. And I mean, it was a little bit run down. It's also one of the few places I've ever been that has a sauna with a window in it. So you can sit in the sauna and look out at the sea, which is tremendous. And did it steam up? No. Odd. Well, I don't know how why, why it doesn't. But I mean, you know, it's a beautiful place. Anyway, he's now banned Iron Brew from sale in, uh, in Turnbury. Why? And Iron Brew... Is apparently the Scottish national drink, right? It is. Now they're having a lot of trouble in uh, Scotland with drink. They always have had um, because old Nicola Sturgeon's only just put all the prices up. Yes. Of uh, you know minimum, minimum pricing, prices for alcohol. alcohol. Uh, he apparently apparently they're saying they're worried that he's going to leave a nasty orange stain on the carpet, which is one of my former Scottish colleagues has pointed out already. Isn't that what Donald Trump is? <laughs> but there we are. Let's talk to Stuart Weir. His tan. Let's talk tan. to Stuart Weir, who's our Scottish correspondent, to find out what is going on. Stuart, a very good afternoon. Very Hi, good morning, Stuart. Stuart. Good morning. Good, good morning to you, yes. This is, um, if we weren't traumatised enough as a nation with the uh, alcohol pricing, now to find out that we can't drink iron brew, where we want is, is just too much for us. I mean, presumably, I haven't seen an, a reaction from iron brew yet, but I mean, this is an outrage, isn't it? For, for, I mean, it's a Scottish national drink, isn't it? Well, knowing iron brew and given some of their adverts over the last couple of years, they will... Uh, they will be marketing this very, very shortly. <laughs> this is this is the kind of branding and PR work that you just cannot pay for. The President of the United States of America coming yeah. out and saying... Who everybody I'm hates. Your drink. Yeah. Well, I mean, imagine <laughs> the people in America will be buying it by the by the boatload now, and they don't want to go to, I, to all, the, all the demos carrying a bottle of iron brew. I'd imagine the people in North Korea will be buying it as well. <laughs> and Iran. Yes, <laughs> you know. I, mean, I, was, I was sitting there reading this story this morning, thinking, "Well, this is not just a great PR coup for Iron Brew, but if you were a carpet cleaning product, I'd be in there like a shot." <laughs> the the thing is, though, Donald Trump does actually have a point because you just mentioned the uh, cars stopping on you. Yeah. I sold a rather expensive car once, which uh, I had to replace the back seat simply because one of the kids had actually spilled Iron Brew, and <laughs> there is like nothing. Acid? <laughs> There is, nothing, <laughs> there is nothing known to man that will actually take the kind of orangey stain out of uh, fabric. So <laughs> therefore, it cost me about 300 quid for a back seat before I could sell the car. Really? Was it due to yeah. your colon or your, or your liver or your lungs or anything? If, if this uh, if stuff I mean, burns the back that. seat. <laughs> remember that stuff, um, Sunny Delight, they used to sell, Sunny D? Yeah, there's nothing sunny about that. It used to turn kids orange, right? I mean, does, yeah, does exactly. this stuff not turn you orange if you drink too much of it? No, no, not at all. Um, you well, I mean, everyone to... in Glasgow is already orange, I suppose, aren't they, from the old tanning salons? <laughs> you may have to visit the dentist a few more times <laughs> and replace some of yeah. the teeth that you've lost. The, the, the big thing with Iron Brew is, of course, that in the last year, they have um, had to um, replace their, their, their recipe um, because of the sugar tax. Oh, really? In Scotland, yes. So their, their ancient uh, recipe, which was maybe one part orange juice and 300 parts sugar, <laughs> has, now, has, has now been changed. Um, and, and lo and behold, after a great marketing campaign and a, a fantastic PR strategy, yeah. when you go and taste it now, it just tastes like diet iron brew, which I have, which I have never liked. And in, believe it or not, there were some shops actually selling uh, iron brew or old stock of iron brew at a premium price. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So that's really amazing. Quick. So the black market iron brew, that's tremendous. Just not injecting it, I yeah. think. That's I the mean, way forward. Is it also not the case? I mean, I mean the, the recipe's been very closely guarded as well, hasn't it, for years? I remember yes. uh, they tried to export it and sell it in America once, um, a few years ago, and the FDA, the Federal uh, Drug, in, uh, Drug Administration, who do sort of Food and Drug Administration, rather, uh, who li- like to know what's in everything, otherwise you can't sell it. And they refused to give them the recipe, and so they said, well, you can't export it here then. So they couldn't sell it in America because they wouldn't give away what was in it. I was working in a car once and I showed somebody the, 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 the secret properties of Iron Brew, which was that I had a nut and a bolt that, that was covered in rust and right. poured Iron Brew on it. <laughs> and then within about a minute, the rust had cleared. And really? Could run the nut. Yeah, oh yeah. Perfect Blimey. stuff. Yeah. It really is powerful. So do they make anything else, bars, or is that it? <laughs> no, that's, that's enough. <laughs> it's not, I mean, <laughs> Don't unleash them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Listen, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, the, the the thing, you know, all of my life, Iron Brew has been the best hangover cure known to man right. as well. And a couple of years ago, they tried, they they came out with another um, another version of it, which was um, a, a kind of caffeine based drink. Which um, nobody quite got the hang of, and just went back to their, their normal iron brew. Right. But the thing was, of course, years ago when you were given it in glass bottles, um, of course there was the deposit on the bottle. So right. people used to collect the, what we would, what we would call the ginger bottles. Right. Um, so you had a, you could you could earn a small fortune just uh, collecting the bottles and taking it back for the deposit. And does anybody put it with alcohol? I mean, you, is that is that a thing? Do oh yeah, iron brew and rust, vodka I, or something. No, iron brew and whiskey. I rusted no. the Really? How come yes. I never had one of those? I lived, up, too... I lived up there for years. <laughs> because you never let anything come close to your whiskey. <laughs> According that to our producers, true. much younger and, and cooler and trendier than I am. It's a WKD flavoured iron brew. So you can get the mixed no, bottles, uh, the alcohol, yeah, already. That's so, for the kids. That's for the, that's for the wee kids. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 your teeth will all start falling out even if you start drinking. I'd like it. to point out to people we should be drinking wisely at eh? this point and not be flavouring. Oh, is that flavoring. one of the rules? Yeah, that is one of the rules. All right, okay. Behave yourself. Yeah, I always drink wisely. Good. Stuart will attest. Isn't that right, uh, Yeah, Stuart? yes, you do. Yes, I, I also have, uh, the, despite having various awards for my uh, my professional career, <laughs> my, my, my uh, favourite uh, token or gesture that was made to me was actually... I was presented with a bottle of Iron Brew with my name on it. Really? Yes, uh, which is, which takes pride of place in my in my study. It also has golden balls on the front. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get better than that. Oh, it doesn't. <laughs> Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show ten to one Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Dial up some dialogue. Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.